I know that angels, people's angels and guides really, they really want to connect with them. They really do. You know, I think a lot of people think that angels are out of their reach or they're not worthy enough to talk to the angels, you know, or why would they come and help me or that sort of thing. And all you have, like they, I just heard we want so much more than that. See, even now they talk. Mm-hmm. Um, and really all people ha- really have to do is just ask their guides to come in, ask their angels to come in, um, you know, give them permission to speak to them or give them permission to ask for them to come into their life to help them with whichever area they want kind of thing and just trust. I know it's hard to trust in the unknown. Some people say the scientific and mystical worlds are separate entities, but to Maureen Fontaine, nothing can be further from the truth. Daily, Maureen is an expert in live and dry blood analysis, an ontological coach, and a spiritual intuitive reader. As a mother, grandmother, and mentor, Maureen aims to insight curiosity and celebrate those who inspire. Science is a practical, in-depth process of the mind. It encompasses observation, identification, description, experimental investigation, and theoretical explanation of phenomena. This information is then systematically analyzed and proves it exists. Mysticism is often considered to be unscientific and unfounded. Going beyond the obvious allows for an expanded state of consciousness. It goes beyond the average sensory experience and the obvious. Those things we can explain and those that we can't. Both science and mysticism coexist and reveal the truths of the universe. How curious are you? Join Maureen and her guest speakers as they bridge the space between science and mysticism. Good morning and welcome to Science and the Mystical, the bridge between. Today's podcast is featuring Lady Jane Dance. And so the topic is appropriately called Dancing with the Powers Beyond. And once you hear her, you're going to totally understand. So I want you to meet Lady Jane. She'll tell us why the lady is there. And I love to call her that because it she exudes grace and ease and flow. Uh, Jane is a medium who connects directly to the universe and spirit guides and angels. Uh, she's a natural born medium whose abilities really strengthened after a near death experience a couple of times. And um, now she's a true gateway. Uh, she lives one foot in the real world and the other in the angelic realm, which doesn't mean she's crazy. It simply means <laughs> that when you're with her, you really see that everything just downloads so easily and so quickly for her. And um, she's also an international phenomenon. She's been featured uh, as a guest on such shows as Spiritual Talk, Beyond the Ordinary, Soul Talk Radio, Quantum Universe, Her Conversations, and Your Divine Uniqueness. She has also had the privilege of being in a hotel paranormal television show or series and um, there's so much to talk about. So with all that in her pocket, Jane remains real, authentic, humble, and a whole lot of fun. <laughs> welcome, Jane. Hi, Maureen. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. You're so welcome. So we're going to have some fun today. Um, how about if you start off by telling us about the whole Lady Jane part, which I only learned of once I knew you for a while. <laughs> Okay, well, um, it's kind of fun, actually. I wasn't born as Lady Jane. 
But a few years ago, my sister had bought me a kit um, from Chapters or Indigo or Kohl's, that kind of place. And you could um, fill out this form and become a lady or a laird. And so I filled it up out and I became Lady Jane of Dunnans. And there's a castle in Scotland, I think it's pronounced Dunnans, um, that I own a square foot of land. What? <laughs> the only land I own, but it's, I own a square foot of land in this castle to preserve the castle. And so I have documented proof that I am now Lady Jane and I can use that, uh, I can use the name Lady for my entire life until I die. So I thought, well, why not? Why not be a Lady Jane? Um, and it, it's just fun. It's just, and you're the only person that calls me Lady Jane. So. <laughs> I just love it. It's, it's so, it's kind of not glamorous, but it's elegant, I guess it's a better word for that. Oh, I, I love I, it too. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think that suits you so well. And if I might say so, you're very tall in my world. Yeah. I'm very small. You're very tall. So we make a fun, a fun kind of sighting on the street if we were <laughs> yeah. happen to be together. Um, but, it, but there is, you're just graceful. And even though we both talked about how clumsy we can be, but there's something about you. So it's so fitting. Oh, wonderful. Thank I'm, you. Yeah, you're welcome. So life hasn't always been real sweet for you. You've had some real big challenges and, um, Man, oh man, could you please share about that journey with us? Certainly. Uh, years ago, I went to a medium and she told me that um, people look at me and think I've had an easy life. And I told her that, she, that they would be completely wrong. And so I share about it quite a lot. So I am a cancer survivor. Um, I had leukemia. I was diagnosed with leukemia, <clears throat> AML, acute myelogenous leukemia. The middle word might be said wrong, not homeless not sure. <laughs> um, but I was diagnosed with it in 2000. I was getting, um, at the time I was working as a massage therapist and I was getting bruises, large bruises on the insides of my legs. Um, my, I would brush my teeth and only blood would come out. So my gums were receding. I was getting 20 minute nose, nosebleeds. Um, you know, I, I was sick all of the time. And then I was diagnosed with leukemia. And I, I remember when I was diagnosed, I was in the emergency room in Calgary and the, the emergency room was really busy and there was a nurse holding my file and a more um, emergency case came in and she threw down the file to go and attend to the emergency coming in. And so I picked up the file and I read it. <laughs> And you probably shouldn't do that, but I did. Oh, well, good on you. It's your oh, stuff, yeah. I'm like, right? it's my file. I'm it's me. It. Yeah. And it said, check. Um, now, this might be where you come in. Check um, leukemic blood flow or something like that. And then just then I knew that I had leukemia. But to be honest with you, I was never one of those people that questioned why. It was more of a relief as strange as that, as that is to say, but it was more of a relief that I was diagnosed with cancer, you know, because I had all these odd symptoms coming up, you know, and I, I don't know, I just felt relief that I had leukemia. 
Was it because there was a title put on it and now you could name it or? I, I think that that's what it was, you know, because as a child growing up, I had cold after cold. I, then I'd get a flu, then I'd get better, then I'd have bronchitis, then I'd get better, then I'd have the flu, then I'd get better. Like I was constantly a sick child. Mm. Um, and so like, I feel all of that was leading up to the leukemia that so have that label put on it. It was a relief. Mm. Yeah, there's some comfort in knowing and having, I guess, a label or an, an explanation for why you are the way you are. And why it's definitely going the way it's going. That's like so alarming to have some of those symptoms. My goodness. How long did those go on for? Uh, The symptoms? Um, I don't really know. Um, I don't really know. I remember remember being in high school. um, So that was in 2000. And I remember being in high school, which would be the... um, the late 80s to the early 90s and I remember having 20 minute nosebleeds so it's very possible that my body was I just heard the words turning sour (laughs) you know in my as I was leaving high school or as I was in high school you know so the symptoms they must have gone on for years before the diagnosis came and lots of times we don't even know that the symptoms are something for a long time, especially when we're young. Yes, you know, when I was, when I was the massage therapist in uh, the year 2000, we had to run, we called it a sensory journey or something like that. But basically it was running a tub full of water and putting essential oils in it for the client. And so we had to, like, I would lean against the tub, turn the tub on, and I would get bruises on the outside of my legs from my tub, from my, Um, legs hitting the tub and so for me to get inside bruises and and I mean like large large I'm I'm not talking like tiny tiny I'm talking like large you know three inches long bruises and not knowing where they're coming from Um, and and I remember after being diagnosed like the nurse telling me or doctor telling me I guess I had leukemia I got to go home for the night and I remember and then the next day come back and move into the hospital. And I remember sitting, my friend at the time, um, we all went out for dinner, you know, best that we could. Plus my dad had died from cancer in 96 from brain cancer. So a few years prior. And I remember uh, we went to um, the keg, the keg in Calgary. I remember that. Of course it's Calgary. Of course, you know, <laughs> yeah. funny, funny yeah. things to remember. And my, I was sitting in my friend's truck, he had a bench seat and underneath my right leg, it was prickly, like something was sticking in the seat. And I said to him, um, I don't know if I should use his name or not, but I said, um, you know, there's, there's something sticking up from the seat. And he pulled over, he felt the seat and he said, no, there's nothing there. And I sat back down again and he's driving me home. And again, I felt the prickle like a pin sticking through the seat. And I said, no, there's, there's something wrong with the seat. There's something sticking in the seat. And he pulled over again, felt the seat, was patting it down. And he said, nope, there's nothing there. And it, sure enough, I got back on the chair on the bench. And, you know, I'm like, no, there's something in the, there's something wrong with the bench. There's something sticking into my leg. 
And I got home and I went to the bathroom and I pulled my pants down and I had a um, bruise from my thigh to my knee on the backside. So my whole, my whole leg or all, all of my veins and arteries or whatever they are opened up and caused a bruise. So it wasn't actually something in the, the bench of the truck. It was my body had just created a, a big bruise. So essentially it was breaking down rapidly. Yes, yes, it, it was. Yeah. So was it at that point that you went in and? Uh, well, the next day I, I had to move. Um, no, the reason why I went to the doctor initially was because I went to a walk-in clinic. I was misdiagnosed by my own GP. All he had to do was take a blood test. And he told me that I had strep throat or something like that. And then he gave me antibiotics. And then I, then the, like, I, I had always had strep throat growing up. And so then the pain and everything went away. And then after the antibiotics, the pain came worse. And I had a, um, like this gland was swollen, quite swollen. And so I went to a walking clinic and that doctor misdiagnosed me. You know, he told me it was I don't know, probably strep throat again. And then by the third time I went to the walking clinic, um, my gland was like, it looked like half a baseball sticking out of my neck. Ooh. It was huge. And the doctor said to me, oh, you probably have mono. Because he's like, are you tired? And I said, well, yeah, I've just come from work. I'm a massage therapist. I'm tired. And he said, oh, you probably have mono. And I said, oh, well, I've had mono before. And he said, oh, usually when you get mono, you only get it once, you don't get it again, but let's take a blood test. And I was at work at the spa when the doctor called back in the day when they would tell you the results over the phone. Mm -hmm. And all he said was, you have irregular cells in your bloodstream. You need to go to the doctor, you need to go to the emergency. And then I'm like, all right, I don't know what that means. You know, it's not my terms. It's I'm not in the medical field, you know, in that kind of way. And so that's why, that's when I went to the emergency. But I remember my boss at the time, I told her what the doctor said. And she said, no, you have to finish your day's work and then you can go to the hospital. I know, I know. What? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. And so I just talked to the doctor and he said, no, you have to go right now. And so I told her, I said, no, I have to go right now. And she said, no, you have to finish your day's work and then you can go. She was brutal. And then- What did so you do? I handed the phone over. I still had the doctor on the line. I, and I said, Oh, you know, to my boss, I said, he wants to talk to you. And uh, so whatever he said, she said, fine, you can go, but you have to come back when you're done. And I, I never went back because the next day I moved into the hospital for three months straight. Oh my goodness. Sometimes we you know. forget, you know, being concerned for those around us and, and um, having heart for whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. So stuff. then my journey began. Yeah. You had some pretty radical treatments for the cancer. I did. I, rem I remember you sharing and I just couldn't believe anyone could survive that. It was in just incredible. I, I did. So the, the first time I had cancer, I believe it was in March, March 20, uh, 2000. And um, I was put onto a trial chemotherapy. 
I don't recommend that to anybody Yeah, right. at all. And so um, I did at that point, I didn't know what chemotherapy was. Although my dad had died of cancer, he was in the same hospital ward as I was, you know, a few years prior, but I don't ever recall he had radiation. So I don't ever recall going to the hospital with him for his radiation. So I didn't really know what chemotherapy was. I think a lot of people don't know what, what it is unless they have it. And I remember the nurse hanging up. So I was given a central line, which is um, or also called a heart catheter. So they put this, instead of taking doing IVs every three days, mm-hmm. they put this, I was awake for it and I could watch it. Um, I know. Did it hurt? <laughs> well, no, they froze it and it was, it, it looked like a worm going in, like, it, oh, I have a scar here. <laughs> I know. Um, that they put in this catheter and they wiggled it in and then it goes into your heart. So, uh, and then there's three lumens hanging off of the, the central line so they can give you blood or chemotherapy or take blood out um, all at once sort of thing instead of doing the evasive IV. Um, so... I remembered that the nurse uh, hung up like a rather large, I don't know, let's see if I can get that in the camera, rather large bag, maybe this big, of chemo. It just looked like um, saline solution, although it was not saline <laughs> solution. And she said, yeah, you're on this child drug 24-7. So when the chemo first went into my body, it was very cold. I could feel it going in. It was very cold because it would go into my heart first and then be pumped out everywhere into my body. And when that bag drained into my body, she would hang up another one. And then when that drained into my body, she would hang up another one. And it was supposed to be for seven days, but my body only handled it for three days. I think it was um, because it ended up burning me from the inside out. And, you know, I threw up all the time uh, it, it actually did more damage to me, which I know chemo chemotherapy takes you to the brink of death and then it pull, they pull you back. But if I had continued down this, tr- this trial, I probably would have died from that. Uh, at one point, and this is going to get a little bit graphic here. I'll try my best not to make it disgusting, <laughs> but at one point, like you throw up a lot, um, at one point, the doctor said it looked like somebody took a cheese grater to the inside of my mouth because you get so much mouth, store, mouth sores um, that you just stop eating. You know, plus you don't want to because it's just going to come back up again. And this one time, luckily, I had a nurse in my hospital room. My family and I called it the hotel, hotel room, not the hospital room because hospitals are not pleasant, but hotels are, you know, you go to a hotel for a vacation kind of thing. Mm. So this one time I start to throw up again, like you do, that's all I really did. Lost my hair, you know, lose your fingernails, everything. And thankfully there was a nurse in my room and she handed me one of those kidney basins and I threw up and there's a gelatinous substance in the bowl. And she, and I'm like, Oh my God. Like, what is that? And she's like, oh, sweetie, it's okay. It's just the lining of your stomach and your esophagus. And I'm like, I don't think that's supposed to come up. Oh. Yeah, it was gross. 
you know, it was, I still remember it like it was yesterday. So no doubt. I mean, that's traumatic. That is traumatic. And she just played it down. It, it was cool, you know, and I'm like, I mean, it's awful enough that it happened to you and with her kind of casual demeanor, <laughs> it's like, oh, this happens to everybody. Like how horrendous. Yes. It, yeah. it was, um, mm. you know, I didn't know what to expect. I remember uh, like I lost, like you said, I'm tall, I'm about 5'10", you know. Um, I remember going into the hospital, I think I weighed around 110 pounds. You know, back then I was underweight for my height. And then when I came out, I, I weighed, 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 <laughs> oh gosh, said it, weighed <laughs> 90 pounds. I remember holding up oh, my man. pants, holding up my jeans, um, because you just can't keep anything down. You know, I would, um, I was on one drug after another. I was one, I was on one, I had one, oh my gosh. One issue after another, I was on antibiotic after antibiotic, you know, I was on this one medication that was called nicknamed shake and bake. And I don't know what it was for, but as soon as it went into my body, luckily my sister was in the room visiting my, I seized all of my, all of my muscles clenched up. Um, my jaw, everything clenched up automatically. All of my muscles just uh, clenched, tightened up. I don't know what the word for that is. Um, and my body started to shake and I couldn't move. I was having a seizure. Fully aware that I was having a seizure. Uh, I think the only thing that worked in my body that could make sense of anything was my eyes and my brain. I knew I was having a seizure. And... Um, my sister went and ran and got a nurse and who gave me some sort of medication to stop the seizure. And I guess what usually happens is your body starts seizing and then your body bakes and they said, so they call it shake and bake. And so this is intentional. This is intentional. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Luckily, whatever the nurse gave me prevented me from baking, but for, I would say at least two or three weeks after that, I could not move. Nurses had to roll me over because my muscles were so sore that they had to physically roll me over or physically take me to the bathroom because I was in so much pain from my muscles contracting. Mm -hmm. Well, when you hear that part of your story, it just amazes me that you are who you are today and that you function very beautifully. Um, you do have some residual uh, things that you deal with. Yes. Are you willing I, to I share do. that? Oh yes. Yes. Um, so um, one thing that is minor is my hair. So I've lost my hair twice because I got sick in 2000 and 2001. And I just, um, and so my hair used to be really thick and although I got my hair done the other day, it's not as thick as it used to be. So um, that's, that's minor in comparison, but um, the other thing that I have from time to time is I have chemo induced IBS. So I'm, um, I, I'm very cautious with what I eat, you know, because I don't know what is going to trigger it. 
-hmm. I know stress triggers it. I know that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But food wise, I remember coming out of the treatments and I would eat an apple one day and be fine and eat an apple the next day and be in excruciating pain. So uh, very unpredictable. It is very unpredictable. You know, it kind of makes me scared of eating. Mm -hmm. So we also, like we have many things in common. Um, We met at a psychic fair where we were both working. And um, then also I do live blood analysis and, and we decided that that might be fun to explore. Would you be willing to share your experience with regards to that? Yes, certainly. So, um, so spirit talks to me all the time and I knew you had done life blood analysis, but I didn't actually know what it was. And, um, I thought it like, I just got this inkling to book a, an appointment with you. And so I did. And I remember when you first took my blood, <laughs> you had to siphon it out of my pinky, <laughs> like, you know, um, I, I don't like needles cause I've had a lot of them in my lifetime. Um, but I remember you like siphoning it out of my, my pinky, you, you kept pushing. We had to encourage it to come out (laughs) gently, but firmly. (laughs) Yes, yes, definitely. And I just found it, um, absolutely fascinating to see my blood cells and what they looked like, uh, like my own personal ones on your computer screen. So it was really fascinating that everything that I was experiencing without me saying it, you had, you saw it in my blood. So it was pretty interesting blood, as I recall the first time. And we went from so much um, kind of misalignment in the bio terrain to where that all got calmed down. And we got into a much nicer place after a bit of work. But uh, you responded so well because you're such a good student. <laughs> you know, I, I go to chiropractors. Like I, I go to, uh, I've always believed in alternative medicine. Yes, I had to go through all the chemo and all the drugs and everything. I used to joke with my friends that if you turned off the lights, I would glow in the dark, you know, <laughs> because of all the medication that was in me. But I've always preferred Eastern medicine rather than Western medicine, even before I got sick. I used to work in health food stores. Um, You know, I've gone to chiropractors since 2007. Um, I've been to naturopaths. And so for me to go to a live blood analysis, it was just natural. Because I I don't even go to physical, I don't even have a doctor. I don't, I haven't had a physical for 20 something years um, because I know my body better than a doctor who sees me for 20 minutes. And I believe in treating the whole body rather than a symptom. And so live blood analysis did just that. It it treats the whole body and not just the Band-Aid effect. And the value of being able to see what it looks like is huge. Oh, yeah. I could have stared at that screen all day long, you know. We had fun, yeah. (laughs) I tried to look up some things that you saw in my blood that I couldn't, there was not on Google, you know, I couldn't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, it, it's just fascinating. Like, I wish I did what you did. Hmm. Thank you. It's, it's really a privilege to do what I do and um, introduce you to yourself from the inside out and not through shake and bake and 
seeing what your stomach lining looks like. It, <laughs> yeah. Very different approaches. But you know, my my greatest wish is that the two would come together to support each other. So yeah. Well, you you came around beautifully after, you know, having a little bit of direction. So that was um, so nice to see. Yes, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. So talking about glowing from the inside out, I mean, um, there's another part of you that might be glowing, and that is your connection to this angelic realm. Can you describe <laughs> your work? It's just fascinating. I can do my best to describe it. Mm -hmm. um, so I am a naturally born medium. I've always seen spirits or heard them or uh, talked to them sort of thing. Um, ever since I was born, my first memory was when I was, I would say, three years old. And I remember looking up every time I would go to sleep. I would, you know, when you lay down, you look up and I would see um, three people looking down at me. And it really never bothered. It didn't bother me. It didn't scare me at all. But after so I've had a lot of experiences with spirits, you know, them showing up or throwing things or there's been a couple of times that they've scared me, you know, or they phone 911 or I don't know, all these strange things. But after my treatments, it's I did. From what I understand, I temporarily crossed over. I don't have memory of it. Like I have a feeling, but not an actual, I didn't see the white light or anything like that. Um, but then when I came back, I gained a deeper, I don't know how to say this, but it, uh, before I would easily connect with people who had passed away. And then after my cancer experiences, now I connect more with the angelic realm and people's spirit guides. And so just by getting the client's first name, then I get all the information. So my understanding is that when you work with a client, you um, tap into their their energies before and yes. you get all kinds of downloads happening. Yes. So before a session, I will sit down 30 minutes before the actual session starts. I will do um, a, a white light protection prayer for myself. And for my home, because I do out of my home. And then I'll say, you know, a prayer of protection for the client. Then I will ask their guides to come in. I give them permission to join me, you know, and tell them, you know, you got to do this and you can't do that, that sort of thing. <laughs> lay down the law. I yeah. lay down the law. And then I start to receive impressions. I write down everything that I see here, feel, taste, smell, half an hour before. And then when time comes up for the client I'll tell them what I've received and then they start to ask questions and for me I don't have to go into meditation spirit can talk to me as like any time of the day um, they're always there so even if for myself I will ask a question I'll receive an answer I don't have to go into prayer or meditation they walk with me throughout the day wow and the fact that you're aware of it is amazing. And I think, I think we've talked about this where all of us have that opportunity to experience that and connect with that. So few know how, or even that it's there. That's true. Mm -hmm. That's true. I think that really people, um, 
I know that angels, people's angels and guides, really, they really want to connect with them. They really do. You know, I think a lot of people think that angels are out of their reach or they're not worthy enough to talk to the angels, you know, or why would they come and help me or that sort of thing. And all you have, like they, I just heard, we want so much more than that. See, even now they talk. Mm-hmm. Um, and really all people ha- really have to do is just ask their guides to come in, ask their angels to come in, um, you know, give them permission to speak to them or give them permission to ask for them to come into their life to help them with whichever area they want kind of thing. And just trust. I know it's hard to trust in the unknown, um, but we trust in air, <laughs> which <laughs> True we can't enough. see, you know, we trust in the wind, which yes. we can't see, but we can feel. Mm-hmm. So, you know, really there is no excuse. So what's the difference between an angel and spirit guide? Okay. So an angel is, um, it, it is an, a being that comes in for protection or comes in when you need some assistance or help. Um, I can give you an example. This works every time. It always amazes Mm me. (laughs) So I have a little dog and um, at times he will start barking. um, He'll bark at birds, whatever. And if I have a session going on and he starts barking in my mind, I will ask the angels to sit with him and get him to start, stop barking. And as soon as I do that, he stops every time. Amazing. mid bark and he stops. Wow. So I've, ha- I've called on helper angels. If I have to do something and I don't know how to do it, I'll ask helper angels to come in and help me. And then whatever I need solving will get solved. You know, angels are more for protection, uh, for help, for assistance, um, that sort of thing. And spirit guides are, from my understanding, they are people that have crossed over and have chosen to become your guide. So guides are there to guide us, you know, funny, hey, so uh-huh. they're, front, they're there to guide us. Um, I feel like spirit guides are always with us. You know, they walk mm-hmm. with us um, everywhere we go uh, and angels come and go from my understanding. So for example, my, my mom's mom, my nan, she crossed over and she's become my spirit guide. And I know this because other mediums that I've been to have announced that she's there. So and I and her and I had a very close bond. So anybody that in life you've had a close bond to becomes a spirit guide. Plus, there's also spirit animals. Yes, true enough. Yeah. So I just want to talk about, you know, it sounds like the spirit guide is someone that is connected to you in a familial way. Correct. Correct. Can it be so it doesn't necessarily mean that dad passed away 20 years ago and still walks with me, it can be like really deep ancestral connection lineage. It it can be for sure. And you know, perhaps your dad comes in when, when you need a particular, um, when there's something particular going on in your life that he can help with. Mm -hmm. So yes, it can be ancestral, it could be um, family that you've never met you know, it could be 
16th century family, you know, that mm. you don't even know who they are. But if you feel them, you feel their presence. And I know, Maureen, you're very sensitive to energies. Um, so it's very possible it could be ancestral. It could be, um, I have a friend that passed away in 92. And from time to time, I can see, I can feel him sitting in my Jeep. Like he's coming for a ride with me. Oh my God. I love those <laughs> kinds of rides. Yeah. You know, you're never you alone. Know? <laughs> no, you're never alone. And him and I didn't know each other that well, mm -hmm. uh, but we had a connection. And from time to time, I know when Troy is sitting next to me, I'm like, hi, Troy. Cause I can feel him. Oh my him. goodness. You know? So it, yeah. I, I'll just share this little tiny story that um, is so similar to that is that I used to, I lived in a funeral home for a little while. And one of the young guys downstairs that was, you know, helping out the morticians and all that was just a wonderful, humorous kid. And um, he loved to be the one to go pick up the bodies because they would, they would talk to him all the way back. And he oh, had these cool. amazing conversations about, you know, the, the world kind of in between when you're still definitely one foot in and one foot out and just fascinating things. So it's just so fun. It is. I absolutely love the spirit world. Like I tell the spirit world all the time Aww. how much I love working with them. Like I find it so fascinating that spirit can move things or speak like I've heard my name called numerous times or um, can manipulate electronics I just I find it so incredibly fascinating it's not scary at all it just it, I'm always it. in awe of it so there's when you get a client that says oh this didn't work for me you know you're not very good you didn't pull in you know uncle Joe and Aunt Josephine and you know you're terrible and and I'm exaggerating yet I'm not um, yeah. yeah so I always think is it the spirits aren't willing to come through like it's just not coming through or is it the resistance and the agenda that the client might have or the expectations that are somewhat fixed so can you speak to that certainly I find it's more like spirit loves talking you know, mm. um, they do. Um, I find that when there's, when there's a client like that, there's definitely risks resistance on their part, you know, that they have an agenda or it's a test. They're trying to test you to see if you are legitimate or not. Mm -hmm. Um, because I always believe what I hear, I always believe what spirit tells me because spirit does not lie. You know, they are def definitely the truth. You know, they always speak the truth. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's always coming from the client that they're, um, they're holding the resistance. They're not allowing, or they're not believing or something like that, but it's always coming from them. Are there any clients that you just go, no, we're done or no, I'm not the person for you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there are. Yes. <laughs> yes, there are. I've been doing this for three years professionally and I would say I've probably fired around three or four clients um, uh, because we have just not been a vibrational match or they have been asking too much or contacting me too much. Most people who book a, a session with me, 
they will book it and I don't hear from them until the day, like until we meet face to face or screen to screen sort of thing. Um, but there have been others that have stepped over my boundaries tremendously. And that is spirit's way of telling me that I'm not meant to read them. Because most, I would say 99% of clients are respectful. It's that 1% that aren't. And, um, and so I, I have to let them go. I always give them, uh, I always recommend other people or um, the online directory to find somebody else. Um, but I never feel guilty when I fire the client because it's not for my highest good. Or, the, or theirs, essentially. Or, yeah, or, or theirs. Okay. It's not for their yeah. high school either. So we're just not a vibrational match and mm-hmm. I can't meet their needs. Mm-hmm. What's still missing for you? Oh, geez, that's a good question. <laughs> you don't have to answer. That's <laughs> for another time. Like if you think about your life and, you know, I mean, obviously there are ups and downs you've, you trekked through some incredibly difficult times. Um, You know, there's, there's, there have to be things that cause doubt, or more that we want. And you're, you're someone that I know is cup half full all the time. Um, I'm just happy I have a cup. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) right. I know. I have a cup. Yeah. 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 Um, well, you know, I can receive messages for other people, but I can very rarely receive messages for myself. And that's why I come to you, Maureen, because you can always tell me what's next or um, like the, the British medium, he can tell me what's next sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm really one of those people that I don't necessarily plan things. I just allow the universe or spirit to come in and give me what I meant to have. Like I don't, I don't chase, chase things. I allow things to come in. So I really don't know what is next. Um, Mm -hmm. But if you have insight into that, I would be okay with that. Well, on this platform, you know, what I do know is that sometimes we're called to wait and it's excruciating. It's like, what you forgot me. There's nothing showing up and it's painful. It has a lot of painful points in it. We get all kinds of messages that redirect us as you know, you've had had recently. And, um, and then voila. So can you, uh, I'm excited about your next venture that you're up to. Yes. So I'm really sitting in that in between space right now and um, waiting for the what's next. And I was on a um, a show out of the UK called Spiritual Talk, um, September 21st. I was on the show September 21st as a guest, a show I've never done before, as that's usually how it happens for me. And it was a fun show. Um, the host's name is Paul Bannister, and there was a second host, but he couldn't make it that day. And so it was just as, as Paul describes the show, it's like going to the pub, chatting with friends, drinking a beer. Like it was so lovely and so much fun, different from all the other shows I've done. And off the air, out of nowhere, 
Paul asked me if I want to host the show with him moving forward because his previous host had to quit. And I didn't even think about it. I just said yes, because you know, the, the universe gives you opportunities. And <laughs> you know, if you say yes, then you get more opportunities. And so now I am the host with Paul Bannister of Spiritual Talk. And last week I did the first time as the host, which was awkward for me because usually I'm the interviewee and not the interviewer. Um, but it, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Amazing to think of that just like out of nowhere coming. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely out of nowhere. And I received another opportunity at the end of this month. Um, there is a new women's group in Victoria and area called Wine Women and Wellbeing. And I was asked to be the guest speaker for the Halloween version. So for so I know. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, when when the when the organizer contacted me, she said to me, she said, honestly, Jane, what you do scares me. Hmm. Medium scare me. And I'm like, oh, it's not scary. It's not scary. So so yeah. Yeah, I would and and what I love is that you are so not scary. And so <laughs> when people experience you, right, you realize it's just another, it's another perspective on what you're actually doing or up to. And it's it's all part of the same and I think it, it is for sure you have the beauty the beautiful part that demystifies that perception of mediumship I was just actually talking to Paul before the show here and we were talking about our show spiritual talk yes and so weird to say but it's so wonderful to say yes and he said he said don't take this the wrong way but you are a breath of fresh air and I'm thinking how do you take that the wrong way but he said, your energy is 100% different from the last host that I had. He said, um, you're making so many people happy. Um, and I'm like, I, I'm not even doing anything because the last interview, I only asked two questions. I could only think of two questions because I didn't know what to say. And he said, even just your presence being there, you're changing the whole energy of the show so it's like it's rewriting itself just by the mere fact that you bring this this really peaceful energy forward that's so great it, it is almost great. feels like the show is going to get a whole rewrite in terms you know yes. uh, or, or an updo right because he's he's very brilliant at what he does and oh he is very much so yeah. and you know people all my life have told me that i look like an angel or that there's they're stressed out and they stand next to me and they become calm. Even Paul, Paul told me that. And where he's in England, I'm in Canada, you know, mm. um, I've had, you know, people just, I lost my train of thought. I don't know. Um, yeah. You bring, you bring, you bring the peace and the new energy forward into every space you go into. Yeah. 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 Yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. I've just always been a very calm person. You know, mm -hmm. my mind is very clear. Um, I often say that my mind is like a clear sky, sunny day with mm -hmm. maybe a couple of clouds. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, I'm very calm, very centered, um, very much in control. And so I, I think that I see 
the world differently than a lot of people because I don't have that constant chatter. So maybe that's where the calmness comes from. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Well, and everything has a nice sprinkle of humor. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You're a lot of fun too, I must say. (laughs) I have very dry humor, but yes. You you do. It's very dry, but I get it. And it's lots of fun. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Jane, our time has just flown. We could talk for a very, very long time. Do you have one kind of word of advice or inspirational thing to share with people today? Certainly. So I have this, um, anytime something is presented to me that scares me, um, what I do is I feel the fear of it. And then I just do it anyways, because I know that fear will stop a lot of people and it stopped me a lot in the past. But, you know, if something scares you, that means that you have to do it. Hmm. lean into that fear and just do and experience like and conquer whatever that brings you fear Mm -hmm. just beautiful keep going I've appreciated you so much as a colleague as a friend and um, have such deep respect for what you do for people from that place that is kind of seems so simple almost too simple oh it does right and I know you've been told that before it's like you know how do you people want that density and maybe that um, mystique around it. And you're just so not that. I love that you refuse to fall into that bracket. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Casting spells and (laughs) calling them in and making things fall off the shelf, you know, but you make it real and you make it tangible and you make it welcoming. So that's, what's so beautiful about you. Thank you. I, I love being different. I celebrate my uniqueness. I celebrate being different. And I encourage everybody to celebrate their uniqueness because we are not, you know, as you know, we're all not the same blood type. We're not, you know, the same, we're not put into the same body. We are different. We are individuals. And I really want everybody to celebrate their, them being different, celebrate their uniqueness. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Great work. Thank you, you, Lady Jane. And um, I know everyone will enjoy listening to this once it gets out there. And um, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you, Maureen. I've really enjoyed this. You're very uh, welcome. I look forward to seeing future guests on your your podcast. Thank you. And we'll have you back again, I'm sure. Yay. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.